Next Sunday, we'll be closing out our message series, Going the Distance. Many of you may be saying that Going the Distance has been the series, not the marriage. But I appreciate you hanging in there. I'll never forget one of the first weeks I was preaching. My brother came up to me and said, uh, you know, buddy, how long is this marriage series going to last? Two or three weeks? And uh, when I told him seven weeks, you should have seen the look on his face. He later told me, buddy, you're killing me. Every week you're killing me. So I appreciate so much uh, you hanging in here as we close out. In fact, next week we will change topics just a little bit and we will talk about um, uh, the Christian view of singleness. So you singles who've hung in, hung in there with us, we'll have a special message for you next week about the Christian view of singleness. You ever been just sort of looking for something, you know, and, and you couldn't find it despite the fact it was right in front of you? Uh, maybe it was your car keys, you know, and you're looking all over the house and then you, you figure out they were right there in your pocket. Or maybe you were crazy enough to look for your glasses and, and you're looking everywhere again and they're right on your head. Or maybe you got angry because you couldn't find the channel changer, you know, and you start screaming at the kids because you know they did something with it. And then they come in the den and say, Dad, it's right there beside your chair. I mean, it's just so obvious, but you don't see it. This week, as, as we look at what, what I'm calling the, the hidden secret of marriage, we're going to look at one verse that I'm afraid we've looked at and we just haven't seen a, a nugget of truth there that could be absolutely life-changing to your marriage. Here's the verse, Ephesians 5.33. The Apostle Paul is talking to husbands. He says, however, each of you also must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Now, you wives say, I've already seen the nugget, I've seen the truth. It's, uh, he's got to love me the way he loves himself, and he sure does love himself. Well, well, well that's not really it. The, the surprising thing here that I missed for a long, long time, despite the fact that I'd read these verses over and over, the thing I missed was Paul gives two separate instructions to husbands and wives about what they need. I mean, Paul says to husbands is that you need to love your wife. We, we, we sort of expect that. But then he says to wives, you need to respect your husband. Now, now what's going on here? Is Paul just, um, you know, just trying to use different words so it sounds better? Is, it, is this sort of just an incidental thing that Paul doesn't say what we would expect? Husband loves your wives. Wives love your husband. I mean, that's what we would say. Is Paul just sort of ignorant about marriage because he's single? And why does he put it this way? I truly believe, my friends, there is a hidden secret here. I don't think Paul was being crazy. I don't think he was just trying to use a literary device. I think Paul was hitting something on the head that needs to be said. Husbands, love your wives. Wives, respect your husbands. You know, about 25 years ago, there was this big marriage retreat. And at the end of the retreat, the facilitator decided to do something. He gave the husbands and wives a choice. It was really a choice between two bad things, like some of us may be even saying during this election season, the least choice among evils, all right? And he, he lays it out this way. He said, you can choose either to feel alone and unloved, okay, or your other choice is you can feel inadequate and disrespected. 
If you had to have one or the other, what would you choose? Well, it was no big surprise when the women on one side of the retreat center said, certainly I would choose to feel inadequate and disrespected because what I want more than anything else is I want to feel loved. So that's the one I would choose if I had to have one of those. And then the retreat facilitator turned to the other side and asked the men, what would you choose? And the men quickly answered, we would choose to feel unloved and alone over being inadequate and disrespected. The retreat leader later writes, as soon as the men said that, there was a gasp among the women. Because they never would have thought that anyone would choose to be alone and unloved over disrespected and inadequate because we all know what we really need is love. And yet they found out at that retreat, and then a professor from the University of Washington ensued a study after that for the next 20 years across America, 20,000 couples, and they found that 74% of men would choose to feel alone and unloved over disrespected and inadequate. And so there was something there. There later was a book that our brother Mitch Temple referred me to about seven years ago called Love and Respect. Focus on the Family says it's the best book they've ever given out about marriage. Because this has been a hidden secret. That what wives really want is to be loved. We knew that one. But what men wanted was not that they didn't want to be loved. Certainly everybody wants love, but that wasn't their primary need. That wasn't at the top of their list. They really wanted to be respected. You see, it sort of goes like this. It seems to me a wife wonders because she loves her husband. Wives are normally so much more giving than we are. She wonders, does my husband really love me as much as I love him? And I know I love him. And I give him, but does he really love me as much as I love him? Now, women, I don't think that's the question that most men are thinking. Most men are thinking, does she like me? And they think the answer is no, she doesn't like me. All right. And so we see this thing come over and over again. Wives are seeking love. Men are seeking respect. But here, here's the natural thing for us to do. The natural thing for you to do is to give someone else what you want. And, and so we miss each other. I was talking to a young single man the other day. He sort of lived a pretty wild life. And um, now he's living for the Lord. And he's in a relationship that's really godly. And he said to me, he said, buddy, he said, um, for the first time in my life, a woman told me, she respected me. And he said it was incredible. I've had a lot of women tell me they love me. But for a woman to finally say she respected me did ten times more for me. You see, the Beatles may have sung, all we need is love, but they got it wrong. There's something else that's needed out there, and that's respect. And speaking of songs, we're all familiar with Aretha Franklin's ballad, R-E-S-P-E-C-T. I just want a little respect. Now that ballad became the song of the women's movement in America. But you know what? We even got that song wrong. 
That song was not written by Aretha Franklin. It was written two years before she ever sang it by a man who was really saying to his wife, what I really need is respect. So we got a point here. Wives need love. Husbands need respect. Let's get practical. How do we do that? I hope you'll take some notes here because I think you can use this in your marriage. Let's start off wise with what you need to give your husband to show respect all right okay first of all you need to appreciate his desire to work men are hardwired to work and to achieve in the beginning of creation even before the fall god gives man the task of working in the garden and every study shows that men receive their identity to a large measure from their work. If a man talks to another man, the question he's going to ask is not first of all about his marriage or his family. He's probably going to ask, what do you do for a living? And so a man's work is very important to his identity and to who he is. And women, for you to show respect for him, you need to appreciate his works. But here's the problem. Often, his work has become your enemy because you feel like you're competing with what he loves to do. Now, you have absolutely confused him because when you dated him, you cared about what he did. And you sat across the table and you asked him everything about his work and you wanted to know. And you were so proud of him and what he achieved. And even the long hours he put in. in. And then you got married and his work became your enemy. And let me tell you, when his work is your enemy, he feels disrespected. Because now you criticize the thing that means a lot to his identity. So ladies, you need to learn to appreciate his desire to work. That's a part of who he's hardwired to be. Now, second thing, you need to appreciate his desire to fix things. All right? Now, I'm not talking about, you know... The toilet that's running in your house right now, okay? Because for some of us, you'll never appreciate it, so that's what it is. I talk about his desire to, for problem solving. A man is wired to solve things, to be analytical, to, to look at problems and critique it and to analyze it. A man is given, you might say, men are normally given a lot of insight into those things, where women work more by intuition. So... A lot of your husbands have made this foolish, foolish, foolish thought they've had is that when you come to them to share your problems and what's going on in your life, that you actually want a solution. I mean, he's thinking, maybe, you know, I can say, you know, if you do this and this and this and this, that would help you. But you know what you do when he says that? You go, man, I didn't come for you to give me a five-point outline of what I needed to do. I just wanted you to listen, right? Anybody ever said that? Well, we'll get to that in a second. But let me just say for a moment, women, that's the way your man is. When you you share a problem, he would like to give you a solution. He's not trying to be critical. He's not trying to be uncaring. That's the way he deals at work. That's the way he deals with life. And so there comes a part where you've got to appreciate, no, maybe he doesn't have the intuition. Maybe even in his life, there's some blind spots that he has because he doesn't feel his way through life the way you do. And he needs to appreciate that. And we'll talk about that in just a moment. But you need to appreciate 
His God-given ability to analyze, to be logical, and to look at things in a different way and appreciate that. So appreciate his desire to fix things. Don't get angry because when you get angry, when he tries to fix things, what he feels like is, man, I'm just going to shut down because she doesn't appreciate what I've got to offer. And then here's another deal. You need to appreciate his desire to lead. The Bible has given him a special position in a leadership role in the home. Now, let's be honest. We've been studying Ephesians chapter 5. You remember when our first weeks we looked at verse 21, where the Bible does command that we are to submit to one another. So, man, before you get too headstrong on this submission idea, understand there is a commandment for us to submit to one another. But wives, you need to also understand there is a special commandment that you are to submit to your husband as the head of the house, as Jesus is the head of the church. Now listen, God has given him more authority in the home. Now to go along with that, this is the burden of being the man of the house, he's also giving him more responsibility. More authority and more responsibility. And God says... I don't want to create a two-headed monster in the home. Not going to work very well. And so there are times where the man needs to exercise the authority as being the head of the house. And women, you need to appreciate that. You need to appreciate that not only does that give him some authority, but it gives him a lot of responsibility. That as a man, though it may seem like, boy, wouldn't that be great to say I'm the head, It also is an incredible burden. Now, man, for us to do that, we need to understand the kind of authority that God's given us. It is not some kind of dictatorial authority. It's not, I'm the head of the house, you know, you submit to me, I can tell you what to do anytime, any any time of the day, any place. You know, I always, you've heard probably tell the story of this elder I knew once, and he, he made it plain to anybody he was head of his house, you know. And, and poor wife, you know, and I finally figured out spending a lot of time in their house what that meant. It meant every time he jiggled the ice in his tea glass, she better run and refill his tea glass. And that's the way he interpreted these verses. That, that's a pretty bad interpretation of these verses. Why? Because the kind of leadership that God has given us is the leadership that Jesus had, which is servant leadership. Wives, you think you could submit to that? You think you could submit to someone who would lay their life down for you? Absolutely. So, man, let's don't go on some power trip about this. But on the other hand, let's not forget the Bible actually has a teaching about who is head of the house. You say, well, I don't always agree with what he decides. I don't always like what he decides. Well, obviously a wise man is going to take your counsel. A wise man many times will say, you know, we got A and we got B. What do you think, honey? And if you say B, he'll go with B. But we know there are those moments where we're both sort of headstrong. We both have an opinion and we're going to go one way or the other. And here's what I want to say to you. God has given him the authority to make that decision. Here's what I see going on out there. Often there are women that are constantly complaining because their husbands are too passive. And they, they complain because their husband is not the spiritual leader in the home. But listen to me. I watch this too. The moment he steps out, you cut him down. The moment he makes a bold decision, you critique it. The moment he tries to be the spiritual leader of the home, you disrespect him that he's not on the same spiritual level that you are. 
And what you do is you emasculate him. You just beat him down and beat him down and beat him down and critique every decision he makes until you know why he's passive. Because you've made him that way. So here's the instruction I would tell you. Praise him for his good decisions. Be patient with him in gracious and bad decisions. And when you do need to disagree with him, please go behind closed doors. You know, the worst thing I've seen in the church, one of the worst things I've seen is, is how many women love to get together and just dog their husband. Listen, if you've got a problem with your husband, you need to meet behind closed doors and talk about it. But when you go outside and you talk to other people about it, you have disrespected him and disobeyed Scripture. Okay, one more thing here. Appreciate his desire just to hang out. All right? You need to understand this, women, about men. Men get close to each other different than women do. Women naturally get close by getting together and talking, sharing, and telling their feelings, you know. Okay. And that's cool. But men normally don't get close that way. Men get close by doing things together. Now, every once in a while, there's an exception. I think it's a pretty cool thing when men get close because they really share what's going on in their life. But that's the exception. Most men get close because they go hunting together or they golf together or they're, you know, or they go to ball games together. They just like to do things. Men get close. And what one writer says, men love shoulder-to-shoulder relationships. So understand this. Though it may not seem that awesome to you, when your husband asks you to sit down and watch a TV show with you, you think, it ain't worth it. anything. You know what I'm saying? I don't even like the show. And he wants me to watch it. And you, and you say to him, well, I could be doing my time, using my time a lot more wisely folding the laundry than watching this stupid show. Now listen to me. Watch the show with him. Because despite the fact that you may not think that gets you close, he thinks it's doing something. All right? Maybe we're just ignorant, but he thinks he's doing something, right? And on Saturday morning when he wakes up and says, you know what? I, I, I need to go to Home Depot. And you go, well, you go on to Home Depot. Go, no, no, I'd like you to go with me. No, 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 no. You, you go on. i got stuff to do with help. Well, you go. Okay. Well, you go to Home Depot and I'm going to Bombay and Company. Guys, listen, listen, ladies. He just wants to hang out with you. It doesn't have to be some deep, emotional Sensitive, intimate, in fact, you're scared of all those words, conversation. <laughs> he just would like you to go to Home Depot with him. And somehow that makes him feel closer to you. So you need to appreciate his desire for shoulder-to-shoulder relationships. All right? Women, you had enough? Say amen. Women, women can say amen in church. All right. Now let's go. Let's go to the men then. How do you give your wife love? Okay. Now here, where men, you desire more than anything to be respected. And ladies, the best words you can say to your man, I'm sorry to break this to you, is not I love you. I mean, he'd love to hear that. But it's I respect you. Or, or maybe I'm proud of you. As much as he desires to be respected, you desire to be connected. Where men want shoulder-to-shoulder relationships... What would you like is some face-to-face time. So men, you need to pay attention to that. Because you confused her also. Because when you were courting and dating, you'd sit down at a restaurant with candlelights 
you'd look across the table and you'd hold her hands and you'd look eye to eye, you know, and you would listen, you know, and you would pretend to care and you would do, <laughs> I mean, you would do all, all the, and that's what she desires. It doesn't do so much for her to go to Home Depot, even though she needs to do that for you. What she wants is to feel connected to you. So here's what you need to do, men. Participate in times of sharing. She wants you to open up to her. She wants to share in your life. She wants to be a part of it. And men, we make so many mistakes along this line. When we get home, and she starts asking the questions. Well, how was work today? What do you say? Fine. You, you talked to anybody interesting today? No. Well, 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 how's it going with so-and-so? Just about the same. Because <laughs> she wants to, she, she wants to, she's not trying to probe and get some secret out. What she just wants to know is what you did during your day, what was like. She wants to feel connected to you about your life. Now, we all know the old problem is that men have about 8,000 words they use a day, and women use about 15,000 words a day. And so our excuse is, by the time we got home, we've used all our words, okay? But let me say to you, if you want to be connected to your wife and give her what she needs to feel loved, then you need to slow down enough, put your newspaper down, don't cut Sports Center on, and actually step there and answer the questions. And let her in on what is going on in your life. You'll be amazed at what that would do. Participate in times of sharing. Now here's the next one. Participate in times of listening. Now here's where we got to balance these two things we both need. Don't always try to fix her. Listen. Now here's where we have a real problem. Because ladies, when you come with your problem, he immediately goes in solution mode. Okay? Okay, she's got a problem. I would think she's come to me for me to help her. Well, you're wrong. What she really wants is for you to listen. You'll be amazed if you'll just sit there and listen, say very few words in, that she will walk away and say, you helped me so much. And you're thinking, I didn't do a single thing. Because there is a power to listening. Now, how in the world do we work through this issue that he wants to fix things and you would really rather him just listen? Man, I think there's a, a good dis- question we need to learn to ask. When your wife comes to you with a problem, maybe some point in the conversation after you've listened a while, just ask her this question. Do you want me to help you come up with a solution or do you just want me to listen? All right? You'll spare yourself some pain there. She might even realize you have something good to say. But you'll spare yourself some pain there. So appreciate and participate in those times of just listening. And then here's another important thing. Participate in times of expression. She wants you to make her feel secure. And she is a person of many more words than you. And words mean a lot to her. So you've got to learn to express yourself. Now understand this, guys. Women live in a day and age where it's really easy for them to be insecure about your love. They know that you're visually stimulated. And here they are growing up in a generation where pornography is at a fingertip. Where the most popular edition of Sports Illustrated is not the National Championship edition, it's the swimsuit edition. And so they've got built-in insecurity. And what you've got to let your woman know is 
You love her above anybody else. Now, sometimes she's going to come to you in those awkward moments where she's sort of fishing for a, you know, a compliment. When I get old and wrinkled, you know, and sagging and when everything's, you know, are, are you still going to, are you still going to love me, you know, if I start, and you say something stupid like this. Well, you know, what are you worried about? Going to trade you in for a new model? That's not funny. All right. You know what she's looking for? She's looking for you to look her in the eye and say, you know what, baby, I love you. Those things aren't the most important things to me. I love you. And I'm going to be there to our dying breath. That's what she needs to hear. She needs that kind of expression. So don't make her out to fish for it. See, you got to understand this. Just like I said earlier, and this is pretty weird in the day we live where, where women have been in the workforce now for, you know, a generation. But still primarily, even if both the man and the woman works, the man still pretty much receives his self-identity from his work. And the woman, despite she may work as many hours and make even more money, she still receives most of her self-identity from her family. Work just doesn't quite do it for her. And so what she's needing is for you to affirm her. Now, you know, the best way to affirm her is to give her some time and give her those words. I read this story the other day about this group of men. They were, they were out golfing. And so many of us, guys, we neglect our family because of our, our playthings. I, I see going through this marriage series that a lot of marriages in this church are in trouble, men, because we've been so stinking selfish. And we've been out playing softball any night we want to. We've been out golfing anytime we want to. We go to any sporting event, even though despite our fact our wife doesn't really care about it. And you know, she's just felt plain left out. And came the truth in this story the other day. These men are out golfing, you know, and they're golfing and there's a, a highway right beside them. And in the middle of, of the golfing, there's a, a funeral procession that passes by on the highway. And one of the guys stops, lays his club down, and just stands at attention as the funeral procession is going by. Now, other men are sort of confused. They say to him, say, what's going on there, you know? I mean, did you know that person? And he said, yeah, that's my wife. We were married for 43 years. Because <laughs> sometimes we may not be quite that dense, but we need to slow down. We need to listen, and we need to express ourselves. And maybe that's a little uncomfortable, but just like she doesn't really care that much about, you know, watching that TV show with you or going to that ball game with you, you need to participate by giving her that expression. And then one more point here. You need to participate in times of touch. Now the men say, it's about time you got to that one, all right? No, that's not what I'm talking about. You know what she would like? Listen closely to me. She would like you to touch her when it's not leading to the bedroom. That's what she would like. She'd like you just to hold her hand. She'd like you to sit while you watch that program, put your arm around her. She'd like you to touch her knee, you know, in that moment when things may not be so good. She'd like you to open the door for her. I mean, she wants those small expressions of touch that have nothing to do with going to the bedroom because that can mean a lot to her. You see, here's where, men, we, we really, we, we, we have some problems here because we, um, we don't understand the need for that the way she does. I'm, I'm going to challenge you. 
So let's, let's, let's close out this way. We've given women some things to do, men some things to do. Here's the problem that happens. When we don't get what we need, we get in what I'm calling the crazy cycle. Without being loved, it's really hard for the wife to express respect to the husband. And without being respected, it's hard for him not to react and not love you. And so what happens is we get in this crazy cycle where the wife doesn't give her husband respect because she doesn't think he's worth it. And the husband then reacts to that and won't give her love because he doesn't feel respected. And it just goes on and on and on. And so what ends up is the wife is criticizing and complaining. What she's really wanting is she's really wanting your love. And when the man becomes harsh with his words toward you, or even worse, withdrawn from you, what he's saying is, what I really want is I want to be respected, and I don't feel respected in my home. And guys, here's the challenge of this message. Who in your marriage is going to break the cycle? It happens naturally. But somebody's going to have the courage to break it. You say, buddy, I can't do it because he's not respectable, and he doesn't deserve it. Or the man says, you know, the truth is she's become unlovable. Let me just remind you of one thing from the chapter we're studying today. Paul doesn't suggest this. Paul commands this. He said in the verse we read, husbands must love their wives. Wives must respect their husband. Because the only way it's going to be stopped is by somebody with the courage to stop the cycle. So, let me ask you as we close out this morning, what cycle in your life do you need to break? It may be about your marriage. It may be about your, your language. It might be about your, your walk with God. It might be about your church involvement. But, but somewhere you've got in this cycle that just is unending. And somewhere you need to break it. How do you break it? You just got to get honest that you're in it. You gotta confess. I, I, I like what I've heard marriage counselors say over and over. I don't like it in the moment, but I think there's a lot of truth to it. When your marriage is in trouble and you start going to counseling or maybe you start going to class, they will always warn you this way. It's probably gonna get worse before it gets better. Why? Because when you, when you finally go and you, you put all your job, you've been all both holding it in. You feel disrespected and you're angry at her and you're tired of it, you know, and finally you get in that situation, then you just, you just let it out. And she's not felt loved and affirmed and she, and, and finally you're just sitting there with all this junk on the table and it's going to feel awful. But listen to me. If you want it to get better, you're going to have to work through that. You can't keep stuffing it because here's the truth. If you do not talk it out, you will absolutely act it out. It is coming out one way or the other. And so the best thing is to be willing to go through the hard work. And that's what just fires me up because I see so many couples in this church right now that are going through the hard work of marriage, are going through the hard work of trying to make things better. But listen to me. Let me just say this about marriage first and we'll broaden it. Some of you, some of you guys have got to wake up because there's going to come a moment where it's too late, where the damage has been done, 
You got to wake up about it. Some of us spiritually need to wake up. Look at, let me show you one more passage to close out. Romans 13, verse 11. In fact, I'd like you to read this out loud with me, okay? Paul says this, read out loud. This is all the more urgent, for you know how late it is. Time is running out. Wake up, for our salvation is nearer now than we first believed. Because listen, in some of your marriages, either you wake up or time's going to run out. Some of you guys in your relationship with God, either you wake up, our time can run out. Either Jesus is going to come back before you have a moment to make it right, or even worse than that, your heart's going to get so hard that you wouldn't come back to Jesus if you had the chance. I'm telling you, what Paul says here is correct. Time is running out, and you need to wake up. Some of you, you're dead spiritually. Many of us, our priorities are all out of whack. And we say in the back of our head, well, one day I'll get them straight. One day I'll get them straight. Your children see they're out of whack. You see they're out of whack. God sees they're out of whack. How long you can keep walking down this road till you wake up? Are you walk down this thing further enough that your heart gets so hard you wouldn't come back if you had the chance? Are you going to keep on down this way until your addiction just ruins your life, ruins everything around you? Your spiritual lukewarmness, you know, affects your children, your wife, and everybody who knows you. Your marriage is on the rock, but you're too proud to finally say, I need some help. I like what Paul says here. Wake up! That's what fires me up. You know, Courtney, about your baptism last week, because talking to you, you told me your life story, and you told me that you had woke up, that you'd just been a, a selfish man, and you're ruining your marriage, and ruining, and you woke up and said, I want to start life all over again. I love the testimony we saw last week of the Isons, you know, who woke up and saved their marriage when it was way further gone than you would have thought maybe even possible. The people I see who are becoming Christians are going, you know what? I've been headed down the wrong direction. I'm living by worldly standards. And it's not working. Many of you are living by worldly standards in your marriage. What I've said to you today, the world says, oh my goodness, men aren't the head of the house. That's old-fashioned. You don't give a man respect when you don't respect him. You can't love her when you don't love her. Listen, the Bible says something different than that. Or you can listen to the world or you can wake up and listen to God. You tell me the ways of the world are working in your life? You tell me they're getting you to where you want to get? You telling me they're going to take you to heaven? I'm telling you, no. And I'm saying to you, you better wake up before it's too late. And you know the cool thing is once you get it all out there and you go through the pain, then your relationship with God starts to heal. Your relationship with your mate starts to heal. And your life becomes what it's supposed to be. But you've got to have the courage to get out of your slumber, to wake up, start. So we've got a moment right now where if you need to confess something, you need to say something, you need to take a public stand about who you need to be. You want to be a Christian. You want to be a husband. You want to be the wife you ought to be. Why don't you do something about it? We've got an open front row. We've got a church that's going to love you. We've got a God that's going to forgive you. Why don't you wake up and do something right now while we stand together and sing?